All right. Um, you know, Easter is, is a very special day because, you know, there was no more important person who lived in history than Jesus Christ. He's the most important person who ever lived. And the most important event in his life was his death and his resurrection. Right? From Good Friday, we celebrate his death. And on Easter, we celebrate his resurrection from the dead. And so on Easter, we're celebrating the most important event in the life of the most important person in history. And so it's, it's an awesome day. You know, it's, 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 more, it's more happy than Easter bunnies, you know, and coloring Easter eggs and going on Easter egg hunts. You know, I, I did all that stuff as a kid. I, I don't know what that has to do with Easter or, or Jesus rises from the dead. You know, maybe there were bunnies, like when he rose from the dead, they were like happy. And I don't know. I don't, I don't know. That's my guess. But, um, yeah, you know, Easter is it's an amazing day. And uh, I'm, I'm glad you guys are here with us. And I hope today we can look a little deeper into the meaning of Easter and the meaning of the resurrection and how that actually impacts our lives. You know, there's a lot of people today who think about Christianity. They think about Easter. They think about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they think, oh, you know, maybe it happened. Maybe it didn't happen. I don't know. But whether it happened or not, whether Jesus was raised from the dead or not, it doesn't really matter to me. You know, what, like, what does it affect me that some dude 2,000 years ago, he died and they tell a story that he rose from the dead. You know, how does, that, how does that affect my life? What difference does it make? You know, a lot of people are asking that question these days. And, you know, they're thinking that. And what I want to show you today is just a few things from this uh, very long passage that, that our brother DJ read for us, Luke 24. Okay, we're going to see... We're going to see three things about the resurrection. Okay, first we're going to see the fact of the resurrection. And then we're going to see the relevance of the resurrection. And then we're going to see the personal presence through the resurrection. All right, you guys got that? The fact, the relevance, and the personal presence. Okay, you guys ready? Okay. Um, so let's start with the fact of the resurrection, right? So, you know, we, we live in the 21st century we live in the digital age. We live in the information age. We live in an age of iPhones and iPads and, and I, oh, you know, all this stuff and technology. Right? We live in an age of science where we can understand and explore and seek to understand how the world works. And so, you know, living in this scientific, technological, modern age produces a lot of skeptics about the resurrection. Like, Jesus rose from the dead? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that one, right? You know, last time I saw someone from, rise from the dead was never. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, when, when have you read the news? You know, when, when did you open up the newspaper and say, oh, this dude rose from the dead last night? Yeah, you don't read that in the news because people don't believe that, even if it happened. Like, scientifically, that doesn't make sense. If someone came reporting that someone raised, rose from the dead, you might think, oh, that... That boy's on drugs, man. Like, what, you know, what's that boy smoking, right? Like, he's not, he's not seeing straight. And we think, we think we live in this enlightened age, in this age where we understand how things work. 
And we think, oh, the resurrection, there's, there's no way that happened. It was, it was just a legend. Maybe it's just some stories that these people long ago, they believed because they didn't have science. They didn't know how these things worked. But what I want to show you here from this passage, Luke wrote this passage. He wrote this book. And what he's showing here is that, you know, the way he presents this story, he doesn't present it as a legend. He doesn't present it as a fanciful story that he's making up. He presents it as a historical fact. He presents it like it actually happened in history. Someone named Jesus actually died and he actually rose from the dead. It was a historical event. And the, and the first thing, and, and the way we see that is first, he, who are the first witnesses to the resurrection? Yes, the women. Amen, Hewan, right? Women were the first people who, were, who saw the empty tomb. They saw Jesus die. They saw him lay, they saw the, the soldiers lay his body in the tomb, roll the stone over it. They, and so early in the morning on the third day, they went to go see the tomb, and they see that a tomb is empty. And so, you know, back in those days, it, you know, they lived in a different kind of day back in, back in those days. Because 2,000 years ago, women were not as highly respected as they are today. Right Now we have, you know, feminist people and people fighting for women's rights. This is all great stuff. But back then, back then, that society, women were not regarded with high respect. The things that they said, the things that they believed... People didn't really believe them so easily. They didn't take their word for things. And so what you see is that these women see the empty tomb. They see angels. I mean, you know, it's like two angelic beings, and they're speaking to them. And, you know, you know, why are you looking for Jesus? He's not here. He's risen. And so these women are like, what the heck is going on, right? It's like they're seeing these angels. So they run back. They tell, they tell the other men. And the men are like, Psh, man, I mean, these women, right? They, they're crazy. You know, what are, what are they smoking, right? They're talking about they saw an empty tomb. They're talking about they saw angels. Man, you know, we saw Jesus die right before our very eyes. These women, I don't, I don't know what they're talking about. They, treat, they treated their witness with not much respect, with not much weight, much like you would treat the witness of a little child today, right? If, if you have a baby son or daughter, if you have a baby child, and your child comes to you and says, Oh, daddy, daddy, there's a monster under my bed. You're not going to be like, oh, snap, there's a monster under your bed. Oh, what color was that? You know what it looked like. like you know, because if you do that, you're, you know, like, you're not a good parent, right? You're, you're just weird. But, you know, but, you, know you, don't, you don't take a child's witness very heavily. You just be like, oh, little child. And you've been watching too much movies. You've been reading too much Harry Potter, like, yeah, I don't know what you're smoking, but, you know, you, gotta, you just got to go back to bed, right? Just, just go back to bed. There's no monster under your bed. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, you just, you're just seeing things. And that's kind of how uh, these disciples of Jesus, that's kind of how they treated the women's testimony. Like, man, we saw an empty tomb. These angels said Jesus is alive. And they're like, crazy women, <laughs> Telling their silly stories, right? And they don't even believe them. And so think about it. If you were if you were a Christian, if you were Luke, and you're writing a story about the resurrection and how it happened, and you want people to believe your story, would you say that women were the first witnesses? 
in that society to the resurrection? Why would Luke write that other than the reason that it actually happened? That women actually were the first ones to see and witness the resurrection. Because otherwise, if he's trying to convince people of something that didn't happen, he wouldn't write that. He would say, Peter saw the resurrection. In verse 34, the Lord Jesus shows up to Peter, and the disciples are like, the Lord has risen indeed. You know, he rose from the dead because it was Peter. Right? He was a respected man, a respected leader of the people. So why wouldn't Luke write something like that? That, that would make more sense. That would convince more people, wouldn't it? But instead, Luke writes, hey, these women, they saw the resurrection. And actually, the disciples, they didn't believe it either for a while. It took them some time and some processing. And Jesus had to appear to them personally for them to actually believe it. So you see, the way that Luke presents this story is, hey, this actually happened. And you see, you, we see, also see that it's a public event. Okay, it didn't just happen in some corner. It didn't just happen in some you know, small little town where only like three people saw it. Actually, if you see, when Jesus, he comes up to the two disciples who are walking on the road to Emmaus, right? Like they're walking, and then Jesus is like, hey, what are you guys talking about? You know, what do they say? Are, they're like, are you, are you the only person in this whole city who doesn't know what happened? It's like, dude, like everybody knows what's going on. It was like front page headlines, man. Don't you, don't you read the news? Do, do you live in some closet? You know, like, do you, do you live under a rock? Everybody, like, wh- like wh- where have you been, brother? You know, that's what they're saying to Jesus. Why? Because everybody knew what happened. It was a public event. The whole city was talking about this news. It didn't just happen in some corner. See, the Apostle Paul, a few years later, he defends what he's preaching, and he defends his gospel before rulers and governors in Rome. And one of the things he says is, to, the, to one of the rulers who's putting him to trial, he's like, you know exactly what happened, O ruler, because these things didn't happen in a corner. They happened in public. Everybody knows the story. Everybody knows what happened. They know the details. This guy named Jesus He claimed to be the son of God. He was killed, crucified on a cross. And in three days, he rose from the dead. And he appeared not just to a few women, not just to Peter, but actually hundreds. The Bible says at least 500 at one time saw him risen from the dead. And Luke actually names names. He gives details, right? He says Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, he gives names of people who actually witnessed Jesus was alive. Now think about it. If you're, if you're trying to come up with a story, right? If you're trying to, let's say you're trying to create a following and you're trying to create a story and you want people to follow you, would you give details about something that happened in public where everybody kind of saw him being put to death and hundreds of people saw him coming back to life. Is, is that how you would present the story? You see, the difference between Christianity and every other religion and every other belief system out there is that Christianity is the only public, historic religion in the world. Let me tell you what that means. So most religions, 
Maybe it's Islam. You have Muhammad. He has a private encounter with an angel. No one else was there. No one else saw it. You can't check the facts that it actually happened. You just, you just either believe it or you don't. You just either take it or leave it, right? Muhammad, yeah, he's, he got this revelation from God, and, and you either got to believe it or you don't accept it, but that's what it is. Or you have Mormonism, right? Joseph Smith, he had this private dream, private encounters. And then he tells the whole, he tells the whole world what happened. That's how most religions start. Or you have religions like Buddhism, Hinduism. It's not based on a historic event that actually happened, right? It's just a set of teachings, a set of philosophies that either you believe them because you agree with them and you think they're nice and cool, or you just think it's weird and you don't believe it and you don't accept it. But that's how most religions work. That's how most belief systems, philosophies of life work. Just think about it. Most religions, it's a private encounter, private dream, private set of beliefs, and one person tells the whole world. But Christianity, a public man named Jesus, has a public ministry where hundreds, thousands of people saw him healing the sick, raising the dead, preaching and teaching. He was publicly killed. Many, many people saw him being killed. He was publicly put in a tomb. And then that tomb was publicly empty. And then he publicly appeared to hundreds of people. And then hundreds of people began to tell the whole world. You see how different that is? It's very different, right? If you wanted to prove Another religion wrong? It's hard. You could say, oh, Muhammad didn't really get a private revelation from that angel. Okay, but how are you going to prove that? Like, either he did or he didn't. But there's no way you can prove it, right? Because it happened in private. But Christianity is public. So if you wanted to disprove Christianity, people back then, they could have disproved it easily. How? Produce a dead body of Jesus. You see, Christianity is based on this belief that this guy named Jesus, he actually rose from the dead. That's, that's a pretty powerful guy, right? That's like, that's like a pretty powerful man right there. Like, people might want to follow this guy because he, he rose from the dead, you know? Like, I have power over death. I might follow you. You know, you're pretty... Yeah, so, so that's what Jesus does, right? And, you know, if you wanted to disprove Christianity, and Christianity had a lot of enemies back then, the Pharisees. What about the soldiers who were guarding the tomb? You think they lost their jobs? Maybe. Right? All you got to do is produce, hey, here's this guy named G. Here's, he's dead. He's right there. He's just winning cream. He's, he's right there. There's, there's a dead body. And, they, you know, bam, Christianity's done. There's no life for Christianity. What? Where, where's the dead body? What? Why can't they produce it? Why can't, why can't they disprove hundreds of people who are living and giving their lives for this crazy belief that this guy rose from the dead see you have disciples before they saw jesus resurrected after jesus was killed they get so scared even peter the leader of the disciples he gets so scared that he denies jesus in front of a schoolgirl. this little school girl right she's probably like wearing a little dress you know she's probably like really short and small and you know asking him like oh yeah didn't i see you with jesus he's like no no no, no, no. i didn't see no jesus 
He's a cat. You know, Peter all of a sudden turns into a coward. And the rest of the disciples, they're hiding. They lock the doors. They're hiding in their homes. Oh, man. You know, Jesus is dead. Our leader's dead. What are we going to do? I don't know. Right? And they're like, and they got, they got no plan. They got no strategy. They have no leader, you know, rallying them together. Come on, guys. But all of a sudden, you see a huge shift. They go from being this fearful, ragtag group of disciples with no mission, no purpose. All of a sudden, they're preaching about this Jesus. They're saying he rose from the dead, and they're actually risking their lives. They're being thrown into prison. Some of them are being put to death, and they're doing it with joy. They're doing it with great power and authority and signs and wonders, and it turns the whole Roman Empire upside down. How do you explain that change? Were they, were they believing in a lie? Were, were they just hallucinating? Did they have some really like, strange drugs back then which made people believe anything? You know, like, you know, what, what explains this shift? Anybody could have tried to disprove it because it was all out there in the public. But they based their belief that this guy, Jesus, rose from the dead. And because of that, we believe he's a son of God. And so we're going to live our lives for him. We're going to give our lives for him. No matter what stands in the way, we're going to preach the gospel. We're going to share with the nations. We're going to share the love of God. Even if you kill us, even if you stone us, even if you throw us into prison. How do you explain this kind of boldness? Now think about this. Even the disciples were slow to believe in the resurrection. The women come to them, and they say, hey, we saw an empty tomb. And they're like, oh, man, empty tomb? Jesus must be risen from the dead. You know, that's exactly what we expected. No, no, that's, that's, not, that's not what they said. They're like, man, silly, silly women. Silly women, what you, you know, I don't know what you're talking about, right? See, they didn't have a grid for a person rising from the dead. We think, oh, we're so scientific now. We live in the 21st century. We don't believe that stuff anymore. But back then, you know, maybe they were a little more gullible. Maybe they believed things like that more easily 2,000 years ago. No, they didn't believe that easily because it wasn't in their grid. It wasn't in their way of thinking. It didn't make sense to them. They had no grid for understanding, hey, a man could actually rise from the dead in the middle of history. You see, Jews had a belief that there will be a general resurrection at the end of time. But they didn't understand how Jesus, a man, could rise physically, bodily, from the grave in the middle of history. So they didn't believe it. What made them believe it? Let me ask you, what are some possible explanations for why they believed it. Maybe they're crazy. Or maybe it happened. Maybe they saw Jesus risen from the dead. And Jesus says to them, don't disbelieve. Look at, look at my hands. Look at, look at my feet. Look at me eating this piece of fish. I'm, I'm here, guys. I'm, I'm a person. I, I'm I'm alive. Maybe they actually saw him. 
And maybe that's why it changed their lives. And that's how they were able to turn the world upside down. That's the fact of the, re- of the resurrection. It's absolutely not a legend. The way Luke is presenting it, he's presenting it as a historical fact. And think about this. Luke wrote this only a few decades, maybe 30, 40 years after this actually happened. Right? Think about this. If, if I were to tell you a story, let's say, let's say 40 years from today, right? I tell you a story. I tell the world a story. I write a book or whatever. And I say, hey, you know, in, in 2014, Michael Jackson rose from the dead. And he came to sit in the opera house. And he started performing. And he started telling people, I am God. I came back from the dead. And he told everyone, you got to worship Michael Jackson. And you got to listen to all his tapes. And you got to learn all his dance moves, right? And you got to just, just live for Michael Jackson. That's how you got to live your life. If I, if, I told you, if I told the world that 40 years from now, what, do you think that would catch on? What's the likelihood of that story catching on if it actually didn't happen? If I actually gave names of people that saw him. I don't think anybody would really believe it. You know, I'm a pretty good liar. No. <laughs> okay. I'm a pretty good storyteller. <laughs> you know, and I, I, you know, I think I'm pretty convincing and persu- persuasive, but I, I don't think anyone's really going to buy that story if it didn't actually happen. Think about this. There were many people who came before Jesus and many people after him who claimed to be God, who claimed to be risen from the dead, who claimed to be the leader of a new religion. There were many, many people who claimed these things. But how many of them do you guys know besides Jesus? You don't know, you don't know any of them. Why? Because people don't just believe stuff like that. Right? People don't just believe if a guy just comes out of nowhere and says, you know, I am God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to found a new religion, and I'm risen from the dead. You know, follow me, worship me, live your lives for me, even if you got to die. People aren't just going to easily believe that stuff, right? But man, they, they believe Jesus. And they lived their lives and gave their lives for him. Why? Because it happened. The resurrection is a historical event. It's a fact. You can test it or not. But you can't just say, hey, it didn't happen. You can actually look into the historical evidence behind it. And you see how such a large percentage of the world now believes in it. Well, you can't do that with any other religion, right? So many people could falsify Christianity if they wanted to, but until now, no one has been able to do it. That's the fact, right? So we start with the fact, okay? Fact of the resurrection. Second, the relevance of the resurrection. What does this matter to me? Okay, maybe the resurrection happened, You know, maybe, just maybe, Jesus rose from the dead. Maybe I'll look into it a little bit historically, look at the evidence. But, you know, that doesn't really affect my life. How does that that impact my life? You see, the resurrection has great relevance to your life. Right? Because there's a difference between news and advice. Most religions are advice. They tell you what to do. They tell you, how to live your life. Oh, yeah, you got to follow the five pillars of Islam. You got to follow the eightfold path. Or if you're Oprah, you got to come to all, you got to watch all my shows and read these books. 
And, you know, you got to live the life you want. Right? Don't you want the life you want? The life you've always wanted? Right? And, like, you know, just all this weird Oprah stuff, vague spirituality. But you know what? Like, all these religions or spirituality philosophies out there, they tell you how to live your life. Right? You just got to say yes to the moment. What does that mean? Say yes to the moment. That doesn't even make sense. Like, but, hey, you know, some people are saying that. They, their religion is just say yes to the moment and just be alive. You know, but most, most religions, their advice, they tell you how to live, what to do. And you can take it or you can leave it. Right? If you like the advice, if, if it's Hallelujah. Is this, is this on? Okay. So what was I saying? So most religions, if, if it's helpful to you, maybe you take their advice. Maybe you don't. It's like with advice of anybody else, right? If someone comes to you and they want to tell you some advice, you can either take it or you can leave it. It's up to you. But if there's news, if there's news, if there's an event that happened, then you can't just take it or leave it. There's some kinds of news that you have to respond, that you have to react, that you have to change your life in a certain way. Let's say some dude walks in this room, and he starts running, and he says, and he yells, fire. Most of you will probably do something. Most of you probably won't keep listening to my sermon, and I won't be offended, right, if somebody came into that. Because why? Because, hey, he's not telling you to do anything. But it's news that affects your life, and you got to do something about it. you got to respond. There's a fire in this building. What do you think? I better get out of here because I don't want to die. It's news, but you got to respond. Most religions, they're not news. It's not based on something that publicly happened. It's just advice telling you how to live your life. But Christianity, it's an event, it's news, and you got to respond. Right, some of the big events in history, like 9-11. When that news, I remember seeing that when I was in high school, senior year in high school, year 12. And we just stopped class and we turned on the TV. And we're watching these towers just on, in flames. You think that didn't affect how people lived? You think that didn't instill fear? and anger, and hurt in so many people's lives? You think the United States didn't have to change their whole program of how to fight terrorists, and national defense, and foreign policy, and all these things? It was a huge event. The bigger the event, the bigger the response that it requires from you. I'm sorry for all these American illustrations. I'm still learning Australian history and culture. Okay? But one more American illustration. When the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor. Okay, see, I know there's like Anzac Day, right? Like some, some happened in Australia, but I'm sorry, I don't know the details. <laughs> I know it's just Friday. I read a little bit about it, but I don't know the details. So, so for now... You know, I will give, I'll start giving Australian illustrations in a few weeks. But for now, right, so when the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, right, the president comes on the radio and he says, Yesterday, December 7th, 1941, 
a date which will live in infamy. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. That affected the whole nation because all the men were taken off to war. The whole economy had to revolve around supporting and providing resources for the war. Women had to take on new roles in the household, in the economy. It transformed the entire nation because of one event. It was a huge event that required a huge response. Not just individual personal responses, but the response of an entire nation, entire world. Christianity proclaims news. It's not mainly advice. Christianity is not mainly advice. You've got to be an honest person. You can't have sex outside of marriage. You, should, you have to be, you, have, you know, you can't tell lies. You've got to be faithful to your spouse. You've got to spend your money this way. It's not mainly advice about how to live your life. It does do that. It gives advice, but, you know, but it tells you how to live your life in response to an event that happened. There's this guy named Jesus, amazing man, the most kindness, the most loving man that ever lived. He's full of love, full of justice, full of compassion. He worked as a carpenter for 30 years. Then he had a public ministry for a few years. And then he was killed, crucified on a cross for nothing that he did, but for the sins of you and me. And then on the third day, rose from the dead to show that he is the Son of God in power and in authority and that he is the ruler of the universe and that he has power over death. And so you got to believe in him. That's your response. This is who he is. This is how he demonstrated it. So what are you going to do? You're going to believe in him? Will you repent for your sins and your wicked ways? And will you turn to him? Receive him into your life. Be involved in a church and start to, start to live for him and not for yourself. That's the response to the news. See, the resurrection is very relevant. If there was no resurrection, there will be no Christianity. There will be no news. What kind of news is this? Oh, this guy has a public ministry, a huge following, and then he died. That's it. It's like, that's, I mean, you know, that's pretty cool, but it wouldn't change history. What changed history is that he rose from the dead with power. And he calls you to live for him, to repent and turn to him. That's the relevance of the resurrection. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 17, right, when Paul is preaching to the Greeks, he says, God has given assurance that Jesus will come back to judge the world. And he has given assurance, he has given proof of this by raising him from the dead. Jesus' resurrection from the dead is God's proof that Jesus is going to come back and he's going to judge the world. There will be a judgment. If the resurrection happened, it means there's going to be a judgment. That means you and I, all of us here today, death is not the end. 
Death is just going to bring us face to face with the living God. And we're going to stand before him and give an account of how we lived our lives. That Jesus is going to be the judge. And in that day, if you say, I tried to live a good life. I tried to be really honest. I tried to have integrity. I I did a lot of good works. If that's the only thing you can say before the Lord, your judgment is not going to stand. See, that's, that's that's, that's pretty relevant for everyone, the whole world. If Jesus did indeed rise from the dead, that, that's pretty relevant to you and me. Like, I, I got I to gotta do something about that. I'm going to stand before God after I die, and I'm going to give account of my life. And my life is going to be found wanting unless I repent and I believe in Jesus, that he is the Son of God in glory, in power. And when he died on the cross... He forgave the sins of the whole world and for all who would trust in Him and turn to Him and receive Him into their lives. Oh, oh man, I, I got to do something about that. If, if that's the news, that's pretty relevant to my life. See, that's, that's, that's pretty relevant. If Jesus rose from the dead, He is who He says He is. He is the Son of God. He is the Savior. He is the King. He is the Lord. He is the Judge. And you got to believe Him. And you got to adjust your life to Him. Oh man, it got it got serious. Right? That's serious stuff, though. That's pretty big news. You know, I think it might go down as maybe the biggest news in the history of mankind. Just maybe, perhaps. So we see the fact of the resurrection, and we see the relevance of the resurrection. But finally, we see the personal presence of the resurrection. So, so far I've been talking about intellectual stuff, right? Things you got to believe, little arguments and things like that. And it's one thing to know the facts about Jesus, but it's another thing to know his presence. See, a lot of you, some of you maybe. Maybe you grew up going to church. Maybe you grew up going to religious schools. Maybe you were exposed to religion or Christianity or Jesus. And you knew all these facts and you knew all these teachings about it. Or you thought you did, but you never knew the personal presence of the resurrected, risen Lord Jesus Christ. Have you known his presence? You see, sometimes facts are not enough. Teaching is not enough. You know, some people, they love to study the Bible. They're like these big Bible nerds, like me, right? I love studying the Bible, right? And, you know, they know all the truths, and they know, they know all the different doctrines of the Bible. Like, oh, eschatology. Yeah, you know, dispensationalism, you know? Like pre-trip, post-trip, you know, amillennial, all this stuff. And it's like, man, dude, you can know all this stuff, but do you know the presence of God in your life? You see, these disciples, 
They had an idea about who Jesus was. They, they knew all the events. They knew all the facts. Jesus, yeah, he did all these teachings. He healed all these people. He died, and now the tomb is empty. They knew all the facts. But look at their lives. What does it say? Verse 17, they stood still looking sad. Jesus asked them, what are you guys talking about? And their response is sadness. Later on, verse 21, they said, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. But our hopes have been crushed. Disappointed, they they have no hope. They have no joy. They're sad. Do you know why? It says their eyes were kept from recognizing Jesus. They knew all the facts, but they didn't know the presence of the resurrected Lord in their lives. See, sometimes we lose sight of Jesus and his presence. Maybe we know all the teachings, all the doctrines. Maybe we're going through the motions, but we lose that sense of his presence. And we're going through life, we're walking down the road of life, and Jesus might even come right up near us, next to us. He's working in our lives, just like he was working in these disciples' lives. He's talking to them, he's teaching them out of the Bible. That's like, that's a pretty personal encounter with Jesus. Right? Like, I don't know how much more personal you can get. They're like breaking bread with him. And yet they don't, they don't see his work in their lives. And maybe that's you today. Right, maybe you've been trying to follow the Lord Jesus. Maybe you believe all the facts. Maybe you believe all the truths. But you don't have his presence. You're going through life. You don't see how he's at work in your life. You have trouble hearing his voice, hearing him speak to you. And you know what? This is a reality for some of us today. And so we need to know the facts. We need to know the relevance. But even more than those things, we need to know the personal presence of God. That's what changes you. You see, if they knew that Jesus was risen from the dead and he was standing right before them, you think they would still be sad? You think their faces would be downcast? Oh, look at my life. You know, look at what I'm going through right now. All downcast, all hopeless, all sad, not seeing purpose in, in what, what we're doing and how we're living and the things that are happening, we don't understand confusion. Maybe you're feeling like that today. Maybe you don't experience His presence in your life. See, we need to know, man, the God that we serve is a living God. He is not a God who's still dead in the grave. He rose from the dead. The Bible says death couldn't hold him back. He was too strong, too powerful, that he burst forth through the grave. And now he's alive. And we serve a living God who is active, he's present, and he is working in our lives. That he loves us, 
that He is committed to us and that He will never fail us and He is with you right now if you call on Him as Lord and Savior. Maybe you don't see Him at work in your life, but He is. Maybe you've lost sight of Him because you've been too anxious. Maybe you've been too consumed with the things of this world. And Jesus is right there. He's right there. He's calling out to you and say, open your eyes. Don't you see me? Don't you see that I'm right here? That I love you? That I'm for you? I am the risen King. And I'm your personal Lord. I'm right here with you. Man, we need, we need a God like that. Only Christianity has a living God. He rose from the dead. Man, doesn't that make you want to be a Christian? <laughs> doesn't that make you want to, want to know this God, know this Jesus? You see, Jesus, actually, he ascended into heaven. We didn't read that part of the passage. The, you know, verse 52 or something, right? Jesus ascended into heaven. Okay? And it says he's going to come back one day. But for now, he says, Jesus said to the disciples, it's good that I'm gone. Because if I leave, then I will send you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to teach you about me. It's going to point you to me. It's going to reveal and manifest my presence to you. And the Bible says, if you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives inside you. And that God is with you all the days of your life. You know, there's a, uh, there's a black preacher. If you can tell, New Philly, we like black preachers. You know, Pastor Christian, spiritual father is black. Anyway, so we like, you know, there's a black preacher, right? So, and this black preacher, his name is S.M. Lockridge. And he wrote this, uh, he wrote this um, poem or something. And it's called, It's Friday, But Sunday's Coming. And he, and, he, and he preached it on Good Friday. And he said, you know, it's Friday. The disciples are fearful. The Pharisees and the religious leaders are, you know, like just rejoicing. And Jesus is dead on that cross. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. The death of Jesus is not the end point of Christianity. It's the resurrection. And the Bible says, if you believe in Jesus... We have died with Him, and we have also risen with Him. And so we can live our lives with the power of the same resurrection, the same power that resurrected Jesus from the grave. That same power lives in you and me. And we can live knowing that, man, no matter what I go through in my life, no matter what circumstances, no matter what hardships, man, that's not the end. Because it's Friday but Sunday's coming. Jesus died, but he rose from the grave. And that's our destiny. That's our hope. Man, the Christian has the greatest hope that no matter what you go through in this life, that you have a destiny, that you have a calling as a child of God, that God loves you, and he's going to be faithful to you through your whole life. And then one day, you're going to be with him forever, in eternal life, everlasting joy and peace. Man, that's, that's a pretty good hope. 
And God has given proof of that through the resurrection. So, if you're, if you're like these disciples, if you're like, man, you think you know everything about Jesus, these disciples thought they knew Jesus. So when something happened, like he rose from the dead, they, they, they couldn't understand it. You know, I think maybe there's some of you here who, maybe you think you know all about Jesus, you heard all the stories, but, you know, I want to submit to you, maybe Jesus is bigger than what you thought him to be before. Maybe he's actually the Son of God, and he breaks through all your assumptions and all your grids and all your ways of thinking, and he's so much better, so much greater, so much more good than you ever dreamed or believed. That's why we worship him. That's why we believe in him. That's why we give our lives for him. That's the personal, you can know the personal presence of God. And how do you, how do you know that? How, when was the disciples' eyes open to see Jesus? It says Jesus was sitting down with them. They invited him, come stay at our home. And then they sat together, they were talking, listening, and then they were sharing a meal. See, it was in the fellowship. It was as they were meeting together. See, do you know how Jesus is revealed to you more and more? It's not by yourself. It can be, sometimes. But what do we learn here in this passage? Usually it's when we are together with other believers, when we're coming together for worship, when we're signing up for a community group. Yeah, amen? And coming together as a group, talking about the Bible, talking about who Jesus is, how he impacts our lives, praying for one another, going out into the city on mission, you know, trying to share the gospel, living our lives together like that. As you go through that together as a community, you will come to know more and more of who Jesus is in your life. So, man, if you're... You know, I'm encouraged you guys, you guys are here, you're coming out together to worship together. But hey, you gotta, you can't just live your faith off Sunday worship. You gotta do life with people. You know, a lot of Christians like to talk about that. Let's do life together. What does that mean, do life? What does that mean? Does that mean meeting once a week in someone's house or at a cafe and talking about the Bible for two hours? Is that doing life? That, that's important. But that's not doing life. You know what that is? That's doing an event. That's doing a meeting. Doing life together means your, your lives are involved with one another. You can do events together. You can go, a lot of churches, they're community groups. They gather every week, but a lot of people don't even really like them. You know? They're like, oh, man. Oh, icebreakers. <laughs> My... Most hated part of community group, right? What are we going to do today? You know, like, okay, we study the Bible, learn a little bit, but that's good. But what is that? What impact does that make in my life? Okay, community group's over, two hours, we shared a meal. Okay, now I go home. Man, now I can watch TV. Man, now I can watch NBA. Right? Now I can talk to my real friends. Right? I'm just saying, I'm just saying some churches, okay? And that's the reality. That's the truth, right? You know, because the church doesn't, doesn't know how to do community. We've forgotten how to do community. We think, we're, we see, we live this modern life. We're so busy. We fill our lives with entertainment and all these things. And we think we can do community 
by just sharing two hours once a week together. Maybe we'll go once every three weeks because sometimes I got other things to do. You know, I, I had a long week. I'm busy. I'm tired from work. I, you know, I can't go this week. And you think, you think you're doing community. That's not community. That's not life. That's just events. You got to do community together. You got to do life together. Right? That means even getting involved in one another's lives outside of your meetings. Right? Getting to know one another. Helping each other out on other days of the week. When you need that help, hanging out. Maybe just going out to a restaurant, catching up, encouraging each other, phone calls, text, you know, all this stuff, right? You know, do, doing life together. It takes a commitment. So many of us, this is not even a sermon about community, but I'll just say this, right? So many of us, we want community, and yet we're not willing to invest in community. You think you get community, that's so valuable. You think you get that just by investing like two hours of your life every few weeks when, when you happen to go? You know, that's why here at New Philly, we ask you to commit to at least two months, up to four months, or even more if you want to be part of a community group. Because we realize, hey, community takes an investment. You've got to be committed to it. Maybe not every week, maybe not every week you'll have, like, life-changing revelation. But it's as you meet, as you do life, you come to know Jesus and who he is, the resurrected Lord, more and more in your life. As you're doing that. So I just want to encourage you. Okay? <laughs> Community groups. All right? But, hey, just remember the fact of the resurrection, the relevance of the resurrection, and the personal presence through the resurrection. All right? Let's pray. Yeah, Father God. Lord, what an amazing day that we celebrate today, Easter. You rose from the grave. You defeated death. You defeated sin. So that anyone who comes to you and believes in you, they may be forgiven of their sins and that we might be reconciled to you and have everlasting life with you. Yeah, God, Lord, I pray that we will come to know more of the truth of who you are and what you've done. And Lord, I just pray that you would draw each of us near to you, God. Help us to know your presence in our lives. You're always there. You're always working. But sometimes we're so blind, God. Sometimes we're so deaf. Draw us near to your presence, God. Help us to help us to feel you. Help us to see you. Because Man, that's all we need, Lord. That's all that we want, God. Yeah, Lord, so we worship you on this day. In Jesus' name.